new people joining our fellowship online during that time, and it was great to see how many people were watching from a distance, and we, we want to continue our online service. I also just want, I'm just trying to catch you guys up on a few thoughts. I also want to thank our team for doing a great job on the stage. This is all new up here. Doesn't it look cool? And um, so we still want to make a couple more changes. Uh, one of the things that we're looking to do is uh, straighten out this stage, and, and I want the worship singers to come out, and we just want to create this awesome environment of we're all just worshiping the Lord together, and also we'll have a, a bigger space up here so we can pray for one another, lay hands on the sick and see them recover, uh, encourage each other and have prayer ministry up front, and uh, we're hoping to get some darker carpet to kind of tidy all this in together, but um, also uh, Mark has been painting all of the inside, so we got the walls are being painted, we're going to be painting the back. We've added some online equipment. So we've been busy inside doing some things just to kind of take advantage of that time. And I just want to give you a short update on that. I'm just so proud of our staff and everybody who's been working so hard. And so proud of you for hanging in there and just loving each other and praying for us and praying for one another. But boy, it feels good to be back together, doesn't it? Man. So we, we are back together and God has been good. And it's been challenging, but our, our trust is in the Lord. And today, I want to just say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and all the granddads. Um, let's just honor them for a minute. Let's just give them a, a, a round of applause for our appreciation for all that they do. The, uh, the, the, the message I have for you today is kind of building off of uh, Wednesday night's message in the parking lot about trusting in God. And I, uh, God put this story on my heart a couple weeks ago, and it is one of the craziest and most amazing stories in the Bible. And I have preached on this before. It is the most read portion of the Bible in, in a Jewish person's life. They will read this story and talk about this story and refer to this story more than any other passage in the entire Bible, in the Torah, the Old Testament. And it is amazing to me because when you start to read this story and the way I'm going to share it with you today, you'll see it is all pointing to Jesus. And yet the Jews um, are, are still at this point not able to see clearly uh, who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. But I want to share with you the story of Abraham and Isaac. And it is Father's Day. Today, I want to celebrate our Heavenly Father and how much He loves you and how much he will provide for you as we allow him to provide for us. So when we trust God as our provider, God becomes our provider. Okay, so let me say that again because I'm also saying something I'm not saying, right? So when we trust God as our provider, God becomes our provider. Now, God is our provider, but, but he isn't always able to provide for us if we're not trusting in him as our provider. Because how many of you know we can trust in a lot of other things, right? We can trust in other people's words. We can trust in other people's opinions. We can trust in other organizations to take care of us. We can trust in ourselves. And God wants all of us to learn how to trust in him. And, and he, he doesn't want us to, to have to work hard. He just wants us to learn how to trust in him. And that's what this story is all about. When we obey God's word, uh, we are demonstrating that trust in him. And so I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Um, when we're 
trusting in God. These are some of the things that I believe we can trust in God for, okay? We trust God loves us. How many of you trust that God loves you? All right? We trust that God is for us. Anybody believe that one? Okay. How about that God has the best for us? All right? We trust God is faithful to his promises. Um, we also trust that God is smarter than we are. Oh, yeah. oh, we had a lot of quick, quick hands on that one. And we trust that God's way is better for us than our way. Okay, now, when we are doing that, when we believe those things, when we're trusting in those statements, God's, God loves me, God's for me, uh, uh, God will take care of me, he's faithful to all of his promises, he's smarter than I am, in fact, his way is better for me than my way, when we are actually believing those things, we live a certain way, okay? Get rid of this. I keep tripping over this. And so, um, but when we're not thinking or believing those thoughts, we start to act a different way. We start to live a different way, right? When we don't feel God's love or when we don't, we're not totally convinced that God's way is better than my way or when we're not sure God's going to actually come through on that promise, then we start to do what? Try to take over. Like, because we feel alone or we feel like it's on us and, and we got to make something happen. And so God's number one goal for your life is to get you to trust him. It really is. That's the, uh, the reason at the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, what happened, the, the breakdown was Adam and Eve stopped trusting in the Lord. They doubted his word, they listened to another voice, and they stopped trusting in God. And so for you and for me, God wants us to trust in him. Now, all of these internal trust thoughts are evidenced by our, our outward obedience to God. When we know that God loves us, then we're quick to, to follow his word, right? When we know that God's for us, we don't hesitate to do what he asks us to do. When we know that God's smarter than us and his way is better than us, we don't hesitate giving up our agenda or our plan. We, we're, we're okay. We, we're, we're walking in that confidence. But what it looks like is obedience. We are like walking out God's promises. We're walking out God's word. Why? Because we're trusting in him. We know he loves. I know he loves me. I know he's for me. He's my father. This is the kind of father that we have. A trustworthy, loving, faithful good, promise-keeping Father. He's for you. He's not against you. You can totally trust in Him. Isn't this good? This is who your Father is. You can trust in Him with everything. And so our internal trust is really evidenced, though, by how we are living on the outside in obedience. So when we don't trust that God loves us or we don't trust that God is for us and, and so on, that's when we begin to have that, that breakdown. So I want to go through this story with you and just celebrate this amazing story. I think it's one of the, the most amazing stories in the Bible. And I want to give you a quick uh, review of what's happened before we read this particular part of the story. So Abraham was promised by God that God was going to bless him, make him into a great nation, and all the nations would be blessed through him. And this was in, earlier in his, Abraham's life. Uh, God showed up and he made this promise to him. And he says, it's going to come through you, through your seed. 
through your offspring. You're going to be a father, Abraham. And through your offspring, I am going to bless you. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to be a blessing to all the other nations in the world. And whoever blesses you is going to be blessed. That's how, how I'm going to bless you so much that whoever blesses you will also be blessed. But whoever curses you will be cursed. I'm going to put my anointing on you, and I'm going to do something special through you. And through you, all the world will be touched. You're like, wow, what a promise. Right? Now, I want you to say this word with me. Promise. It was a promise. Okay? It wasn't something God told Abraham to do. He didn't say, you have to do this because this is my plan for your life, so get to work. He said, here's the promise. This is what I'm going to do in your life and through you. Who's doing the work? God. Okay? Who's trusting? Abraham. So Abraham grows. He's older. His wife, Sarah, is older. They get this promise. I think uh, they're in their, uh, well, they're, they're, they're in their upper level age category, uh, 75, I think, when Abraham first got this promise. Uh, and then life goes on, and, uh, you know, uh, nothing happens, right? Two 75-year-olds or, you know, about that, they weren't able to have any kids. But God promises to happen. And then, then they, Abraham had this hiccup of trust in God, and uh, Sarah had an idea. She says, well, why don't you take my maid and make her your wife, and maybe it's you have a child through her. And so Abraham, like, well, that sounds like a good idea. So what did they do? They kind of took control again, right? And now who's doing the work? Abraham and Sarah, right? They're trying to make something happen. And, uh, and so they had a, a child, uh, and, and his name was Ishmael. And uh, the boy grew up, but God said to Abraham, no, that's not my promise, right? That's your work. That's your idea, but I have a promise. So, uh, so Abraham's like, how is this possible? So some angels showed up and told Abraham, next year you will see the fulfillment of this promise. And his wife Sarah was kind of eavesdropping in the tent, and she heard this, and she just laughed. She's like, it was like, this is an impossible, ridiculous idea kind of laugh. Like, there's no way this is possible. You know, uh, he's almost 100. I'm, I'm 90. You know, how is this possible? And, and so she's laughing, and Abraham's, I guess, believing it. And a year later, they had a miracle, and Isaac was born, okay? The promised child. The promised child. Now, this amazing story that we're about to read is two amazing stories. Because on the one hand, it is exactly what happened to Abraham and his family and the beginning of the fulfillment of this promise that God said would happen. On the other hand, it was a foreshadowing of what God was going to do himself for all of humanity through his son, Jesus. So Isaac was the promised child, but who was our promised child? Jesus, right? The promised Messiah would come, and Jesus was going to be the fulfillment. And this whole story is twofold. It, it happened in the natural, but it was a picture of what God was going to do for each and every one of us. It's just so cool. So as I read through it, I want you to read through it with me and look for Jesus. Look for Jesus, okay? Look for the analogies of what you know Christ went through on our behalf. 
So let me read this story. This is in Genesis chapter 22. And it said, uh, now, Isaac is, we're not sure. Isaac is somewhere between the age of young teenage to up to low, uh, early 30s. Not sure. Some people think he might have been in his 30s at this time. Some people think he might have been uh, just a teenager. Okay, we can't tell because the word in Hebrew there has that wide range, but sometimes it's used for a man who is old enough to serve in the, in the army, which would put him above 20. So I kind of tend towards the older age because of Jesus and the picture that God is making to us of what Jesus would do. Many, many people believe that Jesus was in his early 30s, maybe 33 years old, when he went to the cross for you and for me. I tend to lean towards that on this story because it, it's even more powerful if that's how old Isaac was. So here we go. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Take your son, your only son. Does that remind anybody of a verse in John chapter 3, maybe, verse 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son. Ooh, come on. You ready? You see Jesus? Abraham, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. It's hard to always see the connections. But Mount Moriah, or the, the, the mountain range that God is telling Abraham to go to, later is the same mountain range on which Jesus was crucified for you and for me. Isn't that awesome? I could show you a string of scriptures that would show you that. Actually, today in Jerusalem, on the, temp, on the Temple Mount, uh, where the temple used to be, is now a mosque uh, called the Dome of the Rock. And inside of the Dome of the Rock, uh, tradition says, and it's, you can see pictures of it, there is the rock upon which this story is based where Abraham brought his son Isaac to to sacrifice him. Now, in the Muslim world, they've changed things around a little bit, and they say it wasn't Isaac, it was Ishmael, and Ishmael was sacrificed, and he was raised from the dead by God. You know, that, that, that's how they've turned things around in their religion to kind of bring the importance to their faith. But they trace their faith to Abraham as well as us, Okay. So, that's a little history for you. So, this is the place. This is Jerusalem. This is the Temple Mount. So, Abraham goes on this journey. He says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. This is what I think we need to notice between the sentences. It says to him on that first night, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love, the promised son whom you waited so long for, the one through which I told you all of these things are going to happen, your entire future, your entire legacy, and all the wonderful promises I made to you are hinging on this young man that I have given you. Now, this is what I want you to do with him. I want you to sacrifice him. What? I mean, it, this is... 
God telling Abraham, all these things I'm going to do for you, and I'm going to do them through Isaac, but I want you to sacrifice them to me. And God's testing Abraham to see if he trusts him. It makes, how much sense does that make to the human mind? Negative 100%. (laughs) Not zero. Negative 100%. That's the opposite of what our brains would tell us. This is crazy talk. Crazy. And yet, the Bible says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, cut the wood, took his servants, took his son, and he took off. Now, later in other passages in the Bible, we get some insight into what was going on in Abraham's mind. In Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us this. I love this. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. By faith, when God tested him, or by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. In other words, Abraham believed God was going to do all these, and now he's going to take his son and sacrifice his son to God, even though he believed God was going to fulfill these promises. And it goes on to say, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham, here it is, reasoned in his mind. He thought this through. And he reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. The Bible tells us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what Abraham considered was that God was going to raise his son from the dead. And he didn't even hesitate. Early the next morning, he left. In Abraham's mind, Isaac died on that first day. Do you understand what I'm saying? He already made his mind up. He already believed that God was going to raise his son from the dead if he needed to. He trusted in the Lord, even though it didn't make sense. And you need to understand that in his heart, he had already surrendered Isaac to the Lord that first moment when God told him to do that. That was the first day. The reason I tell you all that is because as we read the next verse, it says, well, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about, verse 4, on the third day. Come on, everybody say third day. Does that remind you of anything in the Bible? Do you see Jesus in there? Come on. On the third day, what happened? He rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead. Our father raised his son from the dead. For our benefit, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. Wow. Abraham was trusting the Lord completely. He said to his servants, this is the third day. We're going to go up there. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And God's going to do what he needs to do. And we're coming back because that's the promise. That's my promised son right there. And he contains all the promises of God. And God said, and I believe in God. What is God saying to you? Are you trusting in him? And so as we go through this passage, I think this is the first time, it is the first time, that the word worship is used in the Bible. First time. In the context of Abraham taking his son, trusting in him to fulfill the promise that he made for him, and giving it all into God's hands. So what do we learn about worship? What is worship? Worship is you giving everything back to God. Your future, your heart, 
your life, just releasing your cares, all of your, you know, agendas, all of your stuff, and you say, Lord, I am all yours. That's what Abraham did. When he took his son up that mountain, he was giving God everything, everything, and he was trusting it into God's hands. Isn't that beautiful? That's what worship is. Now, we, I love music, but that's not necessarily worship. Worship is an act of a heart that says to God, God, I'm yours. You see what I'm saying? It, can, it, it doesn't have to have music to it. It doesn't uh, have to um, have a bunch of people around. Worship is the way that we live our lives. Every day, you can be making choices throughout your day saying, Lord, I'm all yours. Lord, might not make sense, but right now, I'm yours. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your word. I'm trusting in your promises. I'm trusting in your faithfulness. I trust that you love me. I trust that you're with me. I trust that you're for me. I trust that you are faithful to your word, right? I trust that you're smarter than I am. You have a better, better plan than I do. And so when we are thinking and believing and trusting like that, we follow him. We follow him. All right, so i got to pick up the pace here. I haven't preached live in a long time, so now I'm like, uh-oh, going back to my old patterns of talking too much. But So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, verse 6, and placed it on his son Isaac. He took the wood, placed it on his son Isaac, and they climbed the mountain. Anybody see Jesus? Do you see him? The cross, the wood, climbing up the mountain with the cross, bearing the burden of the wood. That's it's Jesus. It's just beautiful. It's just awesome. He placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to father, his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. Where is the lamb? And Abraham said, it's you. No. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't say that. He said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. This is so beautiful. God himself will provide the lamb. God will take care of it. God will take care of it. So many times in life, we're the ones striving and straining to make everything come together. Abraham could have stressed out, but he just kept his eyes on the promise and said, God will provide. God himself will provide the lamb. You see Jesus, right? You see Jesus, who became, as John the Baptist said, the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Who did Jesus belong to? God. Right? God's own lamb was Jesus. He provided the sacrifice for your sins himself. You didn't have to come up with the sacrifice. You didn't even have to bring the sacrifice. You didn't have to dig into your pocket and buy a lamb. You didn't have to do something. God himself has provided for the forgiveness of your sins. This is how awesome our Heavenly Father is. This is how cool. Like even our redemption and our forgiveness 
didn't cost us anything. God himself has provided because he loves you. He is a good father. He loves us so much. And so they go on, and it says, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And we'll pause there for a second. So this is where I think it's very powerful if Isaac is in his early 30s, which many people believe he was. Because how many of you think a 100-year-old man is going to be able to hogtie a 33-year-old son? I'm already back away from uh, confrontations with my boys, if you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't take those guys on anymore, like hardly ever. I'll take on Eli maybe in a wrestling match. But, I mean, I remember about 10 years ago, you know, taking them all on. They had like three, four coming at me. And, you know, that was all I could handle at the time. Now I'm like, my... Peyton, what are you, about 6'1 or 6'2? So I'm looking up to my kids now, and uh, there ain't no way. So, you know, there is a little bit of old man strength left in me, though. Yeah, you know. Yeah. As fathers, we still got a little bit, right? Like that old country song. You know, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once <laughs> as I ever was, right? <laughs> but other than that, you know what I'm saying. So here's this picture that I see. Isaac is a picture of Jesus, and he is carrying the wood, and he is willingly trusting his father, and he allows his father, Abraham, to bind him up, right, for us. And so, it's a picture of Jesus. And of course, God stops him, and in verse 13, Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. The next sentence, this is your verse for the week. I want you to think about this. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. How does that fast forward and impact your life today? On the mountain of the Lord, we know, and we could go into this a lot more if I had more time, but this is a picture of what Jesus was going to do. And the Bible says, Jesus himself said of Abraham, this blows me away. I've said this before, and it still blows me away. He said, Abraham saw my day, and he rejoiced in it. And I ask myself, What did Abraham see, and when did he see it? So he's up on the mountain. He's trusting in the Lord. He knows everything has to come through Isaac, the promised child, right, his promised son. And he's trusting the Lord, and he believes, okay, I'm going to do what God tells me to do because he's smarter than than I am. He loves me. He's for me. He's faithful to his promises. He must going to raise my son from the dead. I'm going to throw all of my chips into trusting the Lord. He's ready to do that. God stops him. He sees a ram, and he, you know, cycles around and, and offers that instead. Instead, But at some point, was it then that he looked up and saw a vision of Jesus on that same mountain ridge? And he saw Jesus' day, and he saw the Lamb of God. God's own lamb 
on the same mountain ridge, dying for you and for me. And did he see him raised from the dead? Because it says, he saw my day and he rejoiced in it. I don't think he would have been rejoicing if he only saw the part where Jesus was dying. But I think he saw, I think God gave him a vision. Jesus said this. He said, Abraham saw my day. What did he see? How amazing. He looked up, the Bible says. He looked up, and then he saw a ram. I think there's a lot going on between he looked up and he saw a ram. I think he, he had a vision of Jesus dying for us, for the sins of mankind, providing for us everything we would ever need, not just our salvation, but life eternal. And life eternal begins the moment we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We cross over, Jesus said, from death to life when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. The moment you became a believer, you entered into a whole different realm, eternal life. And you can begin to taste the appetizers of that eternal life right now. Come on. Why? Because on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God has provided everything for his children through his son, Jesus Christ. And so my challenge to you today is to continue to trust in the Lord with all your heart. He loves you. He's for you. He is the most amazing father, and he didn't ask you to do anything. All he asked you to do is trust in him. And the first thing I said on this message was, when you are trusting the Lord or God as your provider, he is your provider. When you're trusting yourself, you're trusting in something else, uh, you're not going to see the miraculous provision of God because you're trusting in someone else or something else. But God is your Father, and He is trustworthy, and Jesus has paid for everything that you need for life and for godliness, for wisdom, for healing, for freedom, for eternal life in Him, for hope, Whatever you need, Jesus is providing it for you today. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? And so what I want to encourage you to do, it's not just encourage yourself in the Lord today, but also I want to encourage you to look for Jesus. Jesus is throughout the entire Bible. And it is all about what Jesus was going to do and what he did do so that you could have everything that you need to be fully alive, fully free, and fruitful in your life. The more you see what Jesus has done, the more you learn about this Lamb of God who died for you, and you see all how the systematically He paid for every one of your needs, you will begin to walk into that fullness even more day after day as you see the Lamb, as you see the, the, the provision that God has made for you. When you read your Bible, always look for Jesus. Always look for him because he is the eternal word and he is our eternal salvation. All right? I want to invite the worship team forward uh, as we close our service and I want to pray a blessing on you. And uh, just because we're trying to keep things a little shorter so we can, clean, you know, kind of, uh, what do you call it, sanitize between the services, um, uh, and for the next group to come in, you know, I don't know how long we'll be in this, uh, in these stages, 
Uh, we'll just keep talking to you about it as much as we can about where we're at with things. But we'll probably plan on doing this similar next week. Uh, you know, we're taking it one or two weeks at a time. And we're just believing that we're trying to do as best as we can to, you know, keep you safe. Uh, and also to respect each other's personal, you know, boundaries and feelings about this. Because it's a divisive topic, isn't it? And, uh, and, and as I've been talking in our parking lot messages, our goal as a church is to walk in unity and to walk in love in a time of chaos, in a time of anger and arguing and division. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a model of unity and love to this world. That's when we shine the brightest, when we are walking in fellowship with one another, even when we have a variety of opinions or feelings about something, we need to choose the higher law of love. Love. Love covers a multitude of sins. By this, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. Lay your life down for one another, right? That's what our message is from Christ himself. And as a father, you know, think about, uh, think about um, the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on the mountain of the Lord. And it was the love to surrender himself for each and every one of us. And so as fathers, of course, mothers too, but, you know, as fathers, as fathers that is the greatest, highest calling that we have as men is to live our life in such a way that, you know, we are laying our life down out of love for our family. We have this great privilege as men. We've been blessed by God to have a family, to start a new family line that didn't exist. I mean, we were born from someone, but when you marry someone, you start a whole new family. And you have a great and awesome privilege to, to be that person that sets the tone of love in your household and to build a legacy of love in your family line. So I want to commend all the men who are in church today loving the Lord, relying on the Lord for His love because they know I need the love of the Lord in my heart if I'm going to be a good father and a good husband to my family. So I commend each one of you men who are here today and that have faith in Jesus. It is not weak to bow your knee to the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is the smartest thing any one of us could ever do is to rely on the one who is reliable, who is faithful, who breathes breath into us, who has our lives in his hands, who loves us and has equipped us with everything that we need, guys, everything that we need to be the men of God that he's called us to be. But it's not go out there and do it. It's trust. It's trust in him. He's already provided everything. So would you stand with me? Can I pray a blessing on you? I know I went a couple minutes over, but I think we did pretty good. I mean, it's hard to cut a service down to an hour here at the Lamb of God. Man, back in the eight, early 80s, we had two and a half, three hour services. Oh, boy. How many of you guys were here back in the early 80s with us? Hi, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I see that hand. Yeah. We used to have some services go two and a half, three hours long. But anyway, we did pretty good to do a 65-minute service. So. <laughs> guys, I want to pray a prayer of encouragement to you, Okay. 
Would, would you stir your faith up with me? To, Tim, uh, Paul said to Timothy, stir up your faith. Stir up your belief in God. Rev your engines a little bit. Turn your attention to heaven. Come on, remind yourself, God is for me. God is with me. God does love me. God's pretty smart. God's got the best for me. And let's trust in the Lord. Whatever you're contending with right now, don't lose hope and do not give your hope away because of somebody else's opinion or someone else's word uh, or, or the trends. Do not lose hope, okay? Against all hope, Abraham believed. He believed, wow, God must do, do something I've never heard of before and raise the dead. He's going to raise my son from the dead. He's going to do whatever he's got to do because I believe in him and I trust in him. And he saw God as his provider. He didn't waver in his faith. And because of that, he received his son back from the dead, if you will, right? And God did provide. And all the way through the line of Abraham came Jesus, the ultimate provision, through whom God has blessed all the nations. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved through Abraham came Jesus, not just Isaac, the real thing, Jesus. And Jesus is here for you and for me. Thank you, Lord. God, as we come to you this morning, we just thank you. Father, happy Father's Day. You're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> You've caught us out of darkness in your glorious light. You've saved us. You've rescued us. You've restored hope to us. Many in this room have experienced a physical miracle in their lives. Some of us have experienced a, a miracle of freedom from addictions. Some of us have experienced a, a miracle of saving our marriage. Lord, some of us have experienced all kinds of different blessings, how you have taken care of us, how we have seen your goodness. And Lord, even now, there are still things we're contending with. So we turn our hope, our attention, and our faith and trust to you. Lord, for these situations we're continuing with today, we don't want to leave this place without revving up our faith in you, reminding ourselves that you are faithful to your word, that you are for us and not against us. And so today, we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. We thank you, Lord, that we are looking to you for the answer only you can provide. And so our trust is in you, our hope is in you, and we pray, Lord, for miracles to take place in this place, in our hearts, in our lives, in these situations. We pray that our faith will activate a response from heaven and circumstances will be changed. Lord, we don't look at our own understanding. We don't try to figure things out and take control. We're going to double down on trusting in you. We trust in you, Lord. And so let us just continue to grow stronger in you, Lord, and in our faith and in, with one another. Thank you, Lord. I pray a blessing on each one here today, God. Lord, that you're not done with us yet. God, that you are still a God who rules and reigns. You're still a God who raises the dead. You're still a God who sets people free. You're still a God who heals. Lord, you are still the God who gives visions and dreams. Lord, you're still the God who can use a 90-year-old, a 100-year-old to start an entire new legacy. You're never done with us, Lord. And you're not done with anyone in this room. And we just thank you, God, that you are with us and for us. May we be encouraged today, built up today, fired up for you, Lord. And may depression go, hopelessness be broken, uh, despair be put under our feet. May hope arise, may faith arise, may strength come, 
in Jesus' name to each and every one of us right now in the name of the Lord. Say this with me. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to bless you guys, and these guys are going to rock us out with another song. And uh, today, if you would like some personal prayer, um, we're going to have some prayer going on right outside, right outside this door, just because we want to allow all of us to kind of exit the building in the next 15 minutes, so we have about 20 minutes to sanitize everything. Is that okay? If you'd like to chit-chat and talk more, um, find a shade under the tree, or there's a tent out there, or in the parking lot, but we're going to ask everybody to kind of try to move out in the next 10 to 15 minutes, if that's okay. And we'll have prayer out here, outside these doors, if anybody just wants personal prayer. Does that sound okay? I mean, we're making the most of it, right? Lemon out of lemon, lemonade out of lemon, so, all right? So thank you for understanding that. Um, but let me bless you guys. Lift your hands towards heaven, if you will. Just receive the blessing of the Lord. Such a powerful blessing from God himself, saying, put this blessing on my people. I want my people walking Monday through Sunday, right? Blessed with my name on them. Put my name all over them. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Great to see everybody today.